Welcome to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches, featuring BYU devotionals that help listeners tackle the storms of life and become more resilient. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Good evening, brothers and sisters. I'm not sure where President Thompson got all that information, but I think my children must have had something to do with that. (laughs) It feels so good to be home again, even if it does mean a, a major talk at the BYU in this awesome field house. But I do love it. We've had quite an arduous travel schedule this spring, And it seems, President Holland, that wherever I've gone, everyone is aware of the wonderful reputation of the Brigham Young University. And everyone seems to know what a great privilege it is to be able to attend this university. I thought as I was sitting here this evening how wonderful it is to be in a place where we can have the opportunity to learn but to also feel the Spirit like we do here. And for those of you who are thus assembled, who are earnestly seeking the Spirit, you will find it. That beautiful music tonight touched me very, very much as I think of the words of the brethren admonishing us to come unto him and feeling that it will be truly a theme for us to follow. And I hope when we finish here tonight that each one of us will have a desire to come unto him. Do any of you ever get discouraged? That's kind of a foolish question, really. Men, women, fathers, mothers, young and old, discouragement comes to all. Let me share with you a story about a discouraged young college man. This young man couldn't get enthusiasm for anything. He didn't seem to have any sense of responsibility. He lacked motivation. I suppose there was no mission call, nothing, no engagement, nothing on the horizon. He had a mature friend who came to him and said, I can help you. Let me accept full responsibility for you, for your worries, and told him, I am going to pay for your tuition, and I am going to buy your clothes, and then I'll give you an automobile with a credit card for gas. Does that sound like it would take a few of your worries away? And when you marry, I'll look for a wife for you. Well, I've heard of some cultures that really do that. (laughs) And after you're married, I'll even buy a house for you and I'll furnish it. Now, what do you think of that? Do you like my offer? Well, I can see some faces that are very thoughtful, and that's exactly what happened to this young man. He looked sober for a few minutes and then replied, Well, if you did that... What would there be for me to live for? Exactly. That is what I wanted you to see, said the man. 
There is no joy without struggle and the exercise of one's own abilities. This story was told in general conference by President Lee in 1972. But you see, life struggles go on, whether it is 1972 or 82 or 87. They're pretty much the same, aren't they? I'm impressed each day as I travel, read the newspaper, and hear the news on the radio or see it on television, how many problems there are. Crime, accidents, sickness, natural and man-made disasters, hunger and poverty. There seems to be no end to it. All of this may lead us to believe that there is nothing good occurring. Of course that isn't true. Every day there are great events happening all around us, acts of heroism, courage, faithfulness and determination, commitment, things that may not seem newsworthy but are significant nonetheless. How wonderful it is when people can overcome discouragement, can rise above personal loss and move forward, gaining a victory where defeat appeared to be certain. Each of us becomes discouraged at times, and this is normal. But we need to recognize that we are not the only ones who have problems and learn to be supportive of one another. It is easy to look at others and think how serene and trouble-free their lives are and to feel sorry for ourselves. I was astonished one day when a neighbor who had experienced a disappointment in her career exclaimed angrily to me, as if I had caused her difficulty, You don't know what it's like to have troubles. Everything has always gone smoothly for you. You've never had any frustrations or rejections in your life. Little did she know at that time, I had great concerns about one of my sons who was afflicted with a life-threatening illness. My problems were as troubling to me as hers were to her. When I was working in Lambda Delta Sigma, one of our national officers was a single girl whose name was Diane, and one of the young college women with whom Diane had been relating had a lot of problems. She expressed her feelings to me like this. Well, none of you have any problems. Diane is perfect, and she has everything going for her. As she said those words, Inwardly, I reflected on Diane's life. She had lost her sister to cancer, who, with her children, were her only living relatives. Diane's mother had preceded Diane's sister in death just a couple of years earlier, and her father had died when Diane was only a child. Now the two little children were motherless, and so Diane quit her job at the church office building and took care of those preschool children full-time. She lost all of her benefits, retirement, seniority, everything, in order to care for them. She mothered those children for a year and a half until her brother-in-law remarried and could again provide nurturing care for them in his own home. I thought, this girl does not see at all what Diane is going through. Sometimes we have a tendency to think, 
I'm the only one who has a mountain to climb, the only one with a problem, and, the, and that the purpose of this life, we need to know that others also have problems and that, that the purpose of this life is to be tested, to experience both joy and sorrow. The prophet Joseph Smith cried to the Lord from Liberty Jail in anguish of soul at one of the most difficult periods of his life and received this answer. If thou art called to pass through tribulation, if thou art in perils among false brethren, if thou art in perils among robbers, if thou art in perils by land or by sea, if thou art accused with all manner of false accusations, if thine enemies fall upon thee, if they tear thee from the society of thy father and mother and brethren and sisters, and if with a drawn sword thine enemies tear thee from the bosom of thy wife and of thine offspring, and thine elder son, although but six years of age, shall cling to thy garments and shall say, My father, my father, why can't you stay with us? Oh, my father, what are the men going to do with you? And if then he shall be thrust from thee by the sword, and thou shalt be dragged to prison, and thine enemies prowl around thee like wolves for the blood of the Lamb, and if thou shouldest be cast into the pit or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death be passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee, Know thou, my son, that all these things give thee experience and shall be for thy good. The Son of Man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. Therefore, Fear not what man can do, for God shall be with you forever and ever. Now few of us will ever pass through such adversity as the prophet Joseph Smith endured. But we will all need our Father's comfort and admonition many times in our lives. I remember one particular day in the San Diego Mission Home when my husband was the mission president. It was time to bid one group of missionaries goodbye and welcome and train the new ones. The zone leaders were in for training. Food had to be prepared. Linens needed to be changed and laundry done. The home was crowded, full to overflowing. And I was supposed to give the missionaries an encouraging, inspirational talk. I felt pressured, even desperate. I found a quiet corner among the crowd, and I prayed almost out loud to Heavenly Father, asking, 
What am I supposed to do about all of these responsibilities that come so fast there is no time to prepare? Please help me. I suppose I expected the words of a sympathetic parent to come to me. You poor dear child. But instead, I heard a voice saying, This is not your time. But my time. The voice was firm and strong, and from that I knew I should rely on the Lord, and I would find help from Him. I began my scripture study in earnest. First priority. I am so grateful now for that inspiration. I received great solace and comfort as I read the Book of Mormon. A guide came to me when I read Alma 37. Learn wisdom to keep the commandments of God. Cry unto God for all thy support. Let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Let all thy thoughts be directed to the Lord. Let the affections of thy heart be placed upon the Lord forever. Counsel with him in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. When thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if ye do these things, ye shall be lifted up at the last day. I have put these things to the test and bear witness that it is true. If we rely on the Lord live his gospel, converse with him daily, and are obedient to his teachings, he will provide the way for us to accomplish his work. This lesson continues to bear me up. Our Heavenly Father is our Father, and he is watching over us, looking after us, and he will be there to help us if we have questions, problems, trials, and if we will go to him. And then through the strength we find in him, our lot will not seem so difficult. The gospel helps us put things in their proper perspective, to see the things of eternal nature, and through faith to overcome our problems and recognize that many of them are blessings in disguise. Sometimes those who have suffered the greatest tragedies in life are brought to recognize that even those tragedies have been great blessings for growth and development. Botanists say that trees need to flex their trunks and main branches so that the sap is drawn up to nourish the budding leaves. In a like manner, perhaps, we need the gales of life as difficult as they are to endure. A blustery period is often the prelude to a new spring of life. When we keep steadfast in faith and look to the good, it is faith. Faith to overcome is what we need to help us in our trials. A number of years ago, a man in our community impressed me with his testimony. He was a convert from Ireland, joining the church against the, against the wishes of his family. 
They disowned him and never spoke to him again. Tragedy seemed to follow him. His first child developed a serious illness that left him $5,000 in debt, a huge sum at that time. And not long after this, his bishop called in 60 faithful members of his ward, telling them that they needed to raise $30,000 immediately. When the bishop called for a show of hands of those who would contribute substantially, his faith wavered momentarily. But his wife quickly held up his hand. (laughs) He did make his contribution. And the windows of heaven opened. Somehow he was able to pay his debts. He recounted what great blessings had come to him. Not long ago, we went to a wedding, and we saw the parents of a girl that I knew a number of years ago, a girl who has been a great inspiration to me. I said to these parents, how is Barbara doing? And they said, she's doing just fine. Barbara was a student at the BYU at the time this incident occurred. I'd like to share her story with you in her words. This story appeared in The Instructor a number of years ago. It was just a normal, ordinary day. We were driving home from California. It was raining and the roads were slick. The driver lost control. I remember the sensation of the car turning over and over, shutting my eyes, being tossed about with no control the banging of my head and my arms, the pain and confusion, and finally the awful silence. Then it was over. When I opened my eyes, it was to a new and frightening world, to the reality of being paralyzed from the waist down. Once I might have thought of paralysis only as a terrible tragedy, but after it became a part of my life, I discovered it could also bring blessings. My paralysis introduced me to a whole new way of living, to many wonderful people, to a new assemblage of problems, adjustment, frustrations, tears, and laughter and joy. I gained an appreciation for myself as a person and as a child of God, appreciation for other people and especially a love and appreciation for my Father in Heaven. Oh, what a self-image I used to have. I used to feel self-conscious wearing glasses. And now I had to wear a wheelchair. I used to be embarrassed if I did a clumsy, awkward thing. And now clumsy and awkward were my middle name. I used to think people stared at me before. But now I had to learn to laugh so that others would feel at ease around me. And I wouldn't feel so self-conscious. It may seem strange, but I appreciate myself more now than before I was paralyzed. I used to take so many things for granted, things like showering, kneeling to say prayers, dressing in a minute, getting places quickly. Now it is a challenge to do these things once simple. Just try getting out of a bathtub without using your legs. I guess it took losing the use of my legs to make me start appreciating 
the physical body that I have. Now I became very grateful for a clear mind with which to think, ears to hear, eyes to see, and hands that could do so many things. Although I can't dance, hike, play volleyball, or basketball anymore, I have found there are still many things I can do even from a wheelchair. I can drive a car, swim better than before, play doubles in tennis, bowl, play catch in softball. Nobody dares to slide home. <laughs> Cook, sew, and do many other enjoyable things. Since that eventful day of my accident, I've realized the world is full of special people. How grateful I have become for a family that loves me, for parents who have stood by without complaint, without a moment's hesitation, willing to give unselfishly of their time, money, and love. Going back to BYU put me in a position where I had to rely on people to pull me upstairs, open doors, reach books, push me through the snow, and on and on. I became indebted to my understanding, patient, helpful, loving roommates and friends. I was also fortunate to have professors who helped me when the physical facilities limited my accomplishments. These instructors encouraged me when I was discouraged, helped me achieve in my studies, and were especially supportive while I worked to earn my degree and later my teaching certificate. Later, I was blessed to meet Alma Edwards, who gave me the opportunity to be a physical education instructor at Westlake Junior High School in Salt Lake City. Here, at least, I proved to myself and others that I could be useful and productive in society. Because so many have done so much for me, I have learned how important it is for me to give service also. Perhaps the greatest blessing which came from my tragedy was the love and appreciation I developed for my Father in Heaven. Without the gospel, this life in a wheelchair would be very hard to bear. After my accident, I had to depend completely on the Lord for the first time in my life. He became a real person with whom I could talk and who would help me solve the problems and make the adjustments that were to come. Without my understanding of God as my loving, concerned Father, I would be in the same rut that I have seen others in, that of blaming God for my misfortune. If I had to choose one thing that helped me most in my adjustment, it would be what Elder Harold B. Lee said in a blessing that he gave me one Sunday afternoon in the hospital. Barbara, the Lord loves you, he said. With this knowledge, what more did I need? What more does anyone need to keep trying to find reason and purpose in my life, to be happy, joyful, and grateful for life, even in a wheelchair? I am happy to report that Barbara Richards served for many years as a girls' physical education teacher, instructing, influencing, for good, hundreds and hundreds of young women. She has continued to set goals for herself. 
She wanted to get a PhD, set the goal, and achieved it. Being in a wheelchair presented weight problems. She needed to lose 40 pounds. She set the goal and achieved it. Barbara is now teaching at the University of Utah. Her story teaches us so many lessons. When she talks about how self-conscious she used to be worrying about her clumsiness, her looks, and what other people might think of her, I thought about how I felt when I was growing up, having those same kinds of concerns, concerns that each of us has about our looks, our appearance, and what it takes to make us appealing to those about us. Some young people were asked recently in a survey, what is it that makes a man successful? Can you think what those teens replied? According to the survey, it is money. And what is the second thing that makes men successful, according to those teens? Their appearance or looks. And with a woman, what is it that makes her successful? Number one thing, appearance. And number two thing, money. Well, perhaps our values are not where they ought to be. Barbara learned through her hard, hard experience something of the deeper and more meaningful values in life. Jesus gave us some instructions about those who worry too much about themselves. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I was impressed by Barbara's recognition of all the good things done for her by her friends, relatives, and particularly her Father in Heaven, and how she realizes that she must reciprocate and give service to those about her. Remember the words of King Benjamin to his people. Learn that when you are in the service of your fellow beings, you are only in the service of God. I say unto you that if you should serve him who has created you and is preserving you from day to day, if I, I say if you should serve him with all your whole souls, yet ye still would be unprofitable servants. Barbara learned the importance of having a testimony of our Heavenly Father's love. From the statement of President Lee as he blessed her, Barbara, the Lord loves you. He loves all of us. If we will but let him, how reassuring it is for us to have this knowledge and how helpful when things are difficult. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life.
we must know how important each one of us is. I have another good friend, a contemporary of mine, Geneva Brown. She has also been an inspiration to me. A number of years ago, she became afflicted with multiple sclerosis. Her health steadily deteriorated, confining her to a wheelchair, and it would have been an easy thing for her to give up. But it was not her nature. She was a person who was used to doing and being busy in all kinds of things. And since this time, she has shown more determination than ever and has kept herself busy. We saw her one day just coming out of the temple and watched her as her husband wheeled her across the street from the temple to the car as he opened the door. And she lifted herself from the wheelchair into the car. I kept wanting to reach out and and help her some way. But she has learned how to manage. She is interested in people and things. How easy it would have been for her to refuse a calling in the church, even to be a visiting teacher. Certainly, she had an excuse. She didn't need to be a visiting teacher, but it was not her nature to quit. She was able to drive a car with special controls, and so she would go on her visiting teaching rounds with her companion. And when she arrived at the home of the sister to be visited, a beep of the horn would bring the sister out of her home to sit in the car to be taught. Neighbors along the street, seeing the fun that was going on, would come out of their homes and join them all until there was a car full. Many were lifted and edified by this wonderful woman who was willing to push on to go the extra mile. We might ask, if God is kind, if he is a loving father, why would he allow his children to suffer? We must remember that he does not bring hardships upon us, that this life is our test, and all of these things shall give us experience and shall be for our good. We grow and develop spiritually by the things we experience. If there were no sadness, we would not know joy, no bitterness. We would not recognize the sweetness. We need the contrast in order to progress. I remember President Kimball talking about those who were disgruntled because God didn't do all they, were ask, all they asked him to do. And he pointed out the folly of such thinking. If all our prayers were answered to our satisfaction, there would never be any sickness, no deaths, no unpleasant events, no poverty. But also... There would be no growth. There would be no test for any of us. The purpose of our creation would be frustrated. And some of our greatest problems can be the most help as we work through to the solution or to overcoming the obstacles. And it is therein the growth and development of our character that we find great happiness and joy. A couple of summers ago, we went on a trip down the Danube River. My husband and I, we went down into the area of the Black Sea across to Istanbul. Each day, there were excursions into the various East European countries, 
Some of them were quite taxing and tiring, requiring a lot of walking. A number of the tourists grumbled about everything. It was too hot, or it was too cold, or there was too much walking, or it was too far. There was too much time between the meals, and when we did get them, the meals weren't very good, and so on. <laughs> you've, you've seen the kind of people. But we were very impressed with the cheerful disposition of a particular woman on the ship, a lovely lady. We never heard her complain about anything, and she was always smiling. Each day as we watched her, we would hear her exclaim happily over things that delighted her. She was a joy to be around, lifting the spirits of all who associated with her. And what was even more impressive about her was that with all this cheerfulness, we noticed that she walked with difficulty and with a cane. In visiting with her, we learned that some time ago she had been in an accident requiring the amputation of a leg and that one of her legs was actually artificial. Certainly, she must have gone through many agonizing moments wondering why such a calamity had befallen her. Undoubtedly, at some point, she realized that she was blessed, that things could have been much worse, that she yet had much to offer, and that feeling sorry for herself would not make her happy. She may have even reflected on the statement of the Savior when he said, Be of good cheer, or perhaps when he said, Let not your heart be troubled, and recognize that we can be as happy as we want to be. A great burden to me during my growing up years was the fact that my folks were not active in the Church. I sensed that I was missing out on many of the things that others were enjoying. The depression was on. Jobs were hard to get, and because of this our family moved frequently. Though we had to do without many material things, that never seemed a hardship to me. But always there was the longing that my parents would feel the importance of church activity. I loved them dearly, and it hurt me to see what was happening in our home. The word of wisdom was not observed. There was not the closeness and solidarity that appeared to be in the homes of my friends. I craved that peaceful atmosphere which was lacking. Fortunately, each place that we moved, there were good people who would encourage me and welcome me, and I came to know how important the Church and the Gospel are. It hurt so much on the day of my wedding when my parents were not able to enter the temple but remained outside while that special ceremony took place. It pleases me to report that later, through the help of caring friends and, um, and my loving husband, my parents did become active and were able to enjoy those blessings that they had missed for so many years. Recently, my mother and I returned to the neighborhood where we had lived when I was baptized. The area now is shabby and forlorn. The house where we lived was empty, and it looked so tiny and run down. A great feeling of sadness came over me at that moment, not because of the humble 
circumstances, but because I vividly remembered how I had felt as a child, knowing that I had missed those blessings that could have been mine. But life is full of frustrations and challenges. Often we feel inadequate to deal with them. It is important that we recognize where help lies. A courageous divorced sister with the responsibility of raising six children wrote, Gradually I am coming to realize that God is as close or closer to us when we don't feel good as when we do. He relates to each of us intimately, personally, and with unvarying attention. We need only ask. He is unchanging, eternal, and immovable in his tenderness, his forgiveness, his absolute love. We can call on him for guidance, comfort, and support. We can feel his arms about us, his smiling eyes encouraging us. And at any moment, no matter how stupid or inept or impatient or selfish we may have been, he will be there. End quote. When we are in the midst of the gale, remember the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news, and we are so blessed to have a knowledge of it. We need to constantly count our blessings. We have the physical things we need, food, clothing, shelter. And as my dear counselor said the other day after all these visits, we have plumbing, running water, potable water, and water blessing. We have opportunities for schooling to learn, develop our talents, and progress. We live in a free country. We usually have good health. We have friends and associates with whom we love and who, who love and care about us. We have the knowledge of God's plan for us, and what more could we ask? I'd like to share with you a poem that was written by Leela Grace Basford called The Prerequisite. I prayed for strength when life pulsed low until God answered me. Go, lift the load of weary ones, then I will strengthen thee. I asked for courage when hope despaired, then came a voice benign. Inspire with faith thy brother's soul, and I'll inspire thine. I longed for light when darkness made me stumble through the night. Thy lamp held high for others' feet will make thy pathway bright. I prayed that wisdom, talent, skill increased their meager store. First, share the portions that you have, and I will give thee more. At length, I learned that blessings sought and help for which I pray are only mine when shed abroad and given first away. Let me close with a statement from Philippians that I think is so appropriate for us tonight. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press 
toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There can be joy in the struggle as we exercise our abilities and press toward the mark. Brothers and sisters, our Heavenly Father loves us. Jesus Christ is our hope. As we lose ourselves in their service, we will be blessed and helped to overcome our difficulties. I know that our Savior died for us, that he made it possible for us to have eternal life and exaltation. It is my prayer that each of us would find testimony of that hope and share it with others. And I say these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Overcoming Adversity podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage by study and by faith. Come follow me, the Prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on Podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.